0: I don't know about you, but I think Adam Baker's been reading my mail, okay? It's pretty bad when somebody gets all up in your head right before you gotta preach, but that's all right. No, it's very good. Anybody else in the room grow up being afraid of vain repetitions? I did. And that comes from Scripture, and it's all about prayer. And today we finish up this series on prayer. And, and we were taught to make sure that we avoided vain repetitions when I was a kid. And it comes from Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, and that sort of interesting language comes from the King James Version. I want to read that. Let's put that on the screen if we can. But when ye pray, you can tell this is King James, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. Nobody wants to be a heathen, right? For they uh, they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Which is an interesting turn of a phrase too. Much speaking, right? The vain repetitions. What in the world are we afraid of doing if we're afraid of vain repetitions? Well, when we got the New American Standard Bible a little later, we started using that and the word there was meaningless repetitions. That helps a little bit, right? So we don't want to have meaningless repetitions repetitions in our prayers. So we try to avoid that, but I think there's still a little bit like, what does that mean? How do we avoid vain repetitions or meaningless repetitions in our prayer? And I think sometimes we go to a couple of different extremes to do that because we're a little confused by this. I mean, we want to follow the teaching of Jesus. That's Jesus' words right there. So what do we do to avoid those vain repetitions, those meaningless repetitions? And I think for a lot of churches, for, like us, sort of conservative, if we want to call ourselves evangelical Christians, the way we do that is we think we have to have all our prayers are extemporaneous. In other words, we make them up as we're praying. We stand up here and we just sort of begin to talk to God. Nothing wrong with that. And we, we avoid vain repetitions by not repeating the prayers of anyone else by not using a prayer that someone in Scripture used, or someone who uh, has written since Scripture, someone in Christian history has used, because we're afraid if you take a prayer that someone else has prayed, if you take a prayer that's been written down and you just sort of read it, you just might be guilty of vain repetition because you're just sort of following the words of someone else. So, the only right way to pray is for me to pray from my heart, in the moment, just sort of speaking to God now if you go to a church that's a little more formal they might hear this command to avoid vain repetition meaningless repetition and say okay you know what one of the most common ways that we're guilty of just sort of praying the same thing over and over again is when we get up and we just start talking to God because we tend to say the same things over and over and sometimes we do sometimes we're guilty of that I can remember several churches where I've been where I knew when one of our men got up to pray, either sort of as morning prayer or at the end of a service or before communion, I could repeat the prayer because they prayed the same prayer every time they got up and prayed, okay? And did that come from their heart? Maybe it did. But sometimes it felt a little bit like they were just saying the same thing they always said because they didn't know anything else to say. And for me, in my prayer, sometimes that became a vain repetition because I wasn't really listening, okay? I was just going through the motions because I'd heard it so many times before. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. So, in those kinds of churches, what they often do is take the prayers of Scripture or the prayers of church history and use them to avoid praying the same thing. They always pray every time someone gets up to pray. Now, which one of those approaches is only or written down only. What does scripture have to say about that? That's more important than what I have to say about it. And so today I want us to think about that. Today is the last in the series of sermons that I'm calling Dangerous Conversations. We've been thinking about the power of prayer to change us, how we approach God, how prayer can change God. And then these last two weeks, how do we pray? Last week, how do I pray? How should I pray? This week, how should we pray? In other words. What should prayer look like when we get together and pray? Maybe in a worship service, maybe in a small group, a Bible study, a class, a meeting. What should our prayers look like when we as Christians gather together for prayer? It's not a topic we talk about very often, but it's an important one. So what does Jesus say about that? To get at that, I'd like to turn to Matthew chapter 6. We just read some of that from the King James, but I want us to turn to the New International Version, which is a little easier for us to understand, and hear what Jesus had to say about our prayers together. This is, again, in the Sermon on the Mount. We've hinted at this passage all the way through this series. I've referred to it a couple times. This section contains the Lord's Prayer, which we'll get to in a few minutes. So let's examine this a little more carefully and take it apart. Matthew 6, verse 5, And when you pray, Jesus says... Do not be like the hypocrites. Well, we don't do that. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners. Why do they pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners? Well, Jesus tells us to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Jesus is warning, once again, about why we pray. I mean, do we pray so that people will think we're people of prayer? Do we pray so that people will know that we talk to God? Will they think, okay, that person has a real prayer life. I've seen them praying. I know they pray. Will they be impressed by my relationship with God, by the words that I use? Will I show them that I'm really close to God because I've got the right language? Will they they know that I have the language of Scripture sort of embedded in me by the way that I pray? What will people think? Jesus says that's not what prayer is about. We are not here to impress someone with our prayer. Now, I know, and you've probably experienced it too, that there are times when someone has prayed, and I've gone, man, that person knows how to pray. But my guess is, like me, you've noticed that when those people pray, they don't seem to be trying to impress me. What impresses me is the way they're talking to God, not the way they're sort of impressing other people. And so Jesus is saying, listen, when you pray, make sure you're not doing this to impress people, so go in your closet and pray. Make sure nobody can see you, because if you're in your closet where nobody can see you, then there's no way you're trying to impress someone else because nobody's listening in Except God now is jesus saying we should never pray in a public place We should never come together in church and have someone lead a prayer. No, I think he's just reminding us That prayer really is about this relationship we have with God, which is a theme that we have brought through this whole series That it's about relationship. It's about opening ourselves up to God and Though we may sometimes pray in public though. We may sometimes pray in a gathering like this that should only be the overflow Of the prayers that we pray when we're alone with God. That we need that time when there is no way to impress anyone else because there's no one else listening and we're just talking to God and God rewards that prayer because it's, it's directed toward him and no one else. Verse seven and this is sort of back to what we read earlier from the King James and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans. There's your vain repetitions. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Now, Jesus here is warning these people of a problem that was very common in the ancient world. People sort of approached the gods, not just God Himself, but there are many gods as though they could speak magical incantations over these gods and invoke their name. And if you said all these right words, then the gods were obligated to do for you what you wanted them to do. You could speak the right thing if you spoke it enough times, then those gods would be impressed, hear you, and act for you. Or you could at least sort of keep them at bay so they were satisfied enough that they didn't call down curses on your head. And Jesus says, hey, listen... We're not like that. We don't worship those kinds of gods. We worship a God who created us, a God who wants us alive, a God who wants us to spend eternity with him, a God who wants a relationship, uh, wants us to have a relationship with us so much that here's Jesus speaking to these people and headed toward the cross. That's the kind of God that we worship. So it's not about magical incantations. It's not about saying the same things over and over and over again just to satisfy the gods or to make the gods happy. This is about relationship. So what's Jesus saying? We might say it this way. Keep our prayer meaningful. If you want to have the right kind of prayer, it's not about certain words that you have to speak. It's not about repeating something specific. It's not about being a great public speaker. Keep your prayer meaningful. And sometimes that might mean that we speak extemporaneously. We just speak our prayer because we we give the overflow of our heart. And sometimes it might mean using a prayer from the Bible, using a prayer from Christian history that reminds us to pray things that we don't normally pray. But the focus is talking to God and keeping that conversation with God meaningful. Being aware of the words that we're speaking, being intentional about talking to God in a way that engages him, not just engages other people. And then Jesus goes on. Prayer is important, but he he, he does this, and then he makes his point by giving us this prayer that we find and call the Lord's Prayer. Beginning in verse 9, Jesus says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus says this is how you should pray. And then he gives us that prayer that is probably the most familiar prayer to uh, all of us as Christians, to the church in general, to Christians around the world. We repeat that prayer more than any other. So when Jesus says, this is how you pray, what does he mean? Does he mean these are the words you're supposed to speak? When you pray, say this, our Father, who lives in heaven hallowed be your name. Is that what you're supposed to say? Or does Jesus mean, hey, here's an example. I talk to God first, and I praise God, and and I praise God for who he is and what he's done, and I take my my sin to him and ask for forgiveness, and what does all that mean? Is it one or the other? And I think we have to admit We get it wrong when we say it has to be either repeating this prayer or using this prayer as a model for us, as a template for our own prayer. Does it have to be either or? I don't think it does. I think this is a powerful prayer that takes us places that maybe we wouldn't go on our own either by repeating it meaningfully, speaking it in a way where we hear the words and not just repeating it and it can be a powerfully meaningful prayer when we take it and just follow line by line the way that jesus prayed and pray for the same things in our life that jesus prayed for in his life this is a great prayer for us luke sort of tells it in a slightly different way maybe it's a description of the same event or maybe luke is describing a different event but listen to how he says this in luke chapter 11 beginning in verse 1 One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. John taught his disciples to pray, and we've been just sort of sitting around waiting for you to teach us to pray. Jesus, how should we pray? What did Jesus say? He said to them, when you pray, say. Well, that surprises us a little bit. Because then these are the words, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. I think it's been our tendency to say what Jesus means in the Lord's prayer is, use it as a model, use it as a template, and I think we should do just that. But then we hear when Jesus prays a very similar prayer in Luke, Jesus saying, when you pray, say this. So maybe Jesus means both. Maybe this is not an either or. Maybe Jesus is saying, listen, there's more than one way to pray. And sometimes what we do is we stand up and we take the models from all over Scripture, and there are many of them, and we speak from our hearts, and we talk to God, and we lay out our lives, we lay out together our concerns as the church, and it becomes really a way for us to be meaningful before God. And sometimes there's also a place for repeating the Lord's Prayer, repeating the prayers of Scripture, using a prayer that was written down long ago, or maybe recently, and praying through that prayer, but keeping it Meaningful. So, how do we pray? How should we as the church pray? Well, I think we follow Jesus' example. We pray like Jesus. When Jesus was on the cross, he prayed the words of the Psalms. Seems like a good idea. We can do that. We can pray words that have been prayed long before us. We can pray the Lord's Prayer together. You know, when we pray the Lord's Prayer together, it's challenging. Jesus says, give us our daily bread. Well, I don't want bread for today. I want bread for today and tomorrow, and I want enough money in the bank to buy bread for the rest of the year and for my retirement. I want way more than my daily bread. What did Jesus say? Give me my daily bread. Jesus prayed a powerful prayer when he prays this. He prays that we would forgive people As we've been forgiven. Well, how much sin is God holding against me today? None. So what do I have to forgive? Everything. We pray for God's will to be done. And we just sort of use that line, but, you know, there's a lot of times when I want my will to be done. Not God's will. But here's Jesus saying, you pray for God's will to be done. And so when we pray this prayer, it changes us, and it changes God. It's about submitting to God, and that can be true with so many prayers. We can, we can pray a prayer that we've heard many, many times before, and it can be a vain repetition. It can be a meaningless repetition, because we just go through the motions, we say the words, and we're not even thinking. Or, if we're intentional, it can be very powerful. And that might be with a prayer written in other places in Scripture, Psalms, Revelation, Paul's letters, we see them all over the place. And our extemporaneous prayers can be meaningful as well if we think through them, if we make sure that they're meaningful. Keep your prayer meaningful. So how do we pray? With meaning, intentionally, using the the resources that we have through Scripture and using the mind and the spirit and the heart that God has given us to take the words and make them meaningful in this ongoing relationship that God has given to us. Talk to God. Make it meaningful. Let's pray together now. God, we come before you, and we know that there have been times when someone's been standing up here, And they've prayed and we've not prayed. We know there have been times when someone's repeated the Lord's prayer, your prayer. And we've spoken, but we've not prayed. God, we've been guilty of just repeating words. God, right now we come before you and we ask forgiveness for that. And we ask that you would fill us with your spirit in such a powerful way that our prayers are always meaningful. Because, God, you've done so much for us. You've created us. You've given us your Son. You guide us with your Spirit. And you lead us to eternal life. And so, God, today we come before you and ask you that you would hear our prayer, hear our needs, hear our request that your Spirit would be at work in us so that we would do your will. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to respond to what Jesus has done. We've talked about the fact that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He offers us eternal life, forgiveness of sin, and he offers us a relationship with God. The only way that we can have a real relationship with this God who created us. And if you're ready to respond to that in faith and repentance and to be baptized or immersed into Christ, we'd love to talk with you about that and share with you in that. Or maybe you've already done that and you want to be a member of our church. If you've made either one of those decisions, let us know. Come forward as we stand and sing our invitation. Let's stand again.